T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here we go with the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Please give me a follow on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio. Together, we will dominate the Twitter world, at least the Twitter world, together. On the way, Joe Rose Show, talking to Pete Bomarito. Football, football, more football. The Combine gets everybody's juices going because you just don't know. You just don't know. So stick around so you can find out more. Dan Levitard show talking to Zoo Miami's Ron McGill, then Hawk and Crowder talking about, well, molding minds and beating people up. Two things that should be a part of every sports show. Right now, some that should be a part of every sports show too. Headlines. Joe Burrow says he will play for Cincinnati if drafted by them. Tua Tagovailoa should be medically cleared March 9th, while the Canes have pushed back spring training's opening from Saturday to Monday. The Heat lost to the Cavs 125-119 in overtime last night. Next, Miami is home tomorrow against former teammate James Johnson and the T-Wolves at 7.30. Tonight, the Panthers play in Arizona. Listen to it here at 9. The Marlins played the Astros in spring training earlier today. The Canes baseball team look to get back to their winning ways at home tomorrow at 3 against University of South Florida. Deontay Wilder says... He will exercise his right for an immediate third fight with Tyson Fury. The first match ended in a draw, and the second, it ended with Tyson Fury TKOing Wilder in the seventh round. Inter-Miami CF has released what their home kits will look like, but they will not be using them Sunday because they open MLS play on the road against LAFC. And now, we take a step into the day spa. Deep breath. <sighs> A baboon in Australia recently escaped with his two wives while being transported to an animal hospital in order to have a vasectomy. Can I adopt this baboon so I can make him my boy? A French pizzeria has broken a record by using 257 types of cheese on one pizza. Three things. First, I didn't know there were that many types of cheese. Second, how do you get that much cheese on one pizza? And finally, where can I get it? A New York State student recently bought a plane ticket in order to enter the concourse and buy Chick-fil-A for lunch. Hey, man, just give me some cash and I can get you some dry chicken. A BYU pole vaulter has gone viral after posting a video of his pole busting open his scrotum after an attempted jump. Luckily, the cameraman was his dad, who happens to be a urologist, so they hurried to his dad's office and father stitched up his son quickly. Thanks, Pop. Now, ladies, kiss my boo-boo. 
Now to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast, it calls for rain with temperatures in the mid-70s. For the best poker tournaments in South Florida, visit Hylia Park Poker Room. Visit HyliaPark.com for our poker tournament schedule, plus join us for our $75,000 guarantee March 7th through 13th. Why play anywhere else? Visit HyliaPark.com for details. In the morning, you got to wake up with some Joe. Not just coffee. I'm talking about the Joe Rose Show earlier today. They're talking NFL Combine with Pete Bomarito. They opened up by asking him about the importance of the 40-yard dash, second most important thing at the Combine, why the Combine is so exhausting for the people who participate in it, Frank Gore's body prep. But once again, they're going to open with the question, why is the 40-yard dash king of the Combine? There's no question that it is the key event. But the biggest thing is just people have a big misunderstanding of why. All these types of studies and articles coming out in terms of, well, this guy ran fast and he couldn't play, and this guy ran slow and he could play. <laughs> That's true. It, it doesn't matter, though. That's not why the 40-yard dash exists. Nobody's dumb enough to look at a 40-yard dash and then say, wow, this guy can play football. I mean, there's there's mounds of tape, and these there's just so much data, so much science now that you know nobody's that stupid. What the 40-yard dash does that's extremely, extremely important that people don't realize is you got to have a measuring stick and a gauge. I mean, it, let's put it, let's give you a hypothetical. If somebody is in college football and they played hurt, which is very common in the sport of football at any level, especially major college football, and you watch them on film and they're productive, but you don't know what their true speed is healthy because they were tough enough and enough of a team player to play hurt. This just gives you a gauge and a measuring stick. That's the most common theme. And beyond that, like, let's say that you are maybe uh, rated as a small school guy and extremely, extremely productive and you're a freakish athlete and your production shows. Well, they just need to have measuring stick of how that speed that they see on tape is going to transfer to the norms of what they see in the NFL. Those are the two main reasons why the 40-yard dash is so important. It still is the key event, but I think it's just important for the fans, for media, for everybody to understand what the NFL is really looking at and why. Pete, what's our, if the 40-yard dash is the number one thing and we all kind of see that and that's why it's the highlighted thing at the Combine or wherever guys are working out, what's the next biggest thing you work on with guys? Like, what's the next, the number two thing? If the 40-yard dash is the number one overall thing, what would be the second biggest thing you think you work on with guys? Well, it's not an event, but the number one thing, honestly, is the medical exams. That's crucial. You know, that's even more important than the 40. The number one reason why the, the combine exists is the medical exams. I know the fans don't want to hear that because they can't see it. And even if they could, it's boring anyway. It's just a medical <laughs> exam. But, but that's really it. And it's not just, again, it, it's, it's a big, again, mis, big misunderstanding of why they do it. A lot of it is to find out the status of injuries that they know about, try to find out injuries they might not know about. But most importantly is how the body recovers. Everybody that plays professional sports, especially in a sport like the NFL, has freakish regenerative capabilities. And I talk about this a lot. You think a regular person and an NFL athlete, if they had the exact same injury on the same day, same therapist, same surgeon, same rehab process, the NFL guy's always going to recover faster. It's a genetic trait. And a lot of times the NFL is looking at that. It's not just looking at injuries. It's looking at uh, joint misalignments and red flags. A red flag does that mean you got injured. It just means that there are certain areas of the body that are misaligned. If you can work on the joint alignment, from the season to recover, regenerate from the season, from the All-Star Games, whatever, and have them in perfect alignment for the Combine, that, that says a lot about your dedication, number one, and your freakish genetic ability to recover, number two. And beyond that, if you do get the body in a line state, you're going to perform much better anyway. That's what I believe. So the medical exams are crucial. Hey, Pete, I always wonder, you work these guys out, you got a pretty good idea what their times are going to be because you guys have worked on it and stuff. Have you had guys through the years that perform better 
at your training facility than they do at the combine that they they get nervous or whatever it might be and and they don't do as well say that that you always have to go on the numbers you know i say this to everybody that if you look at the players across the board 25 percent will test faster than your previous mock combine if you do it about two weeks off the run day which we do about 50 percent of the guys will run about the same 25 percent of the guys will run slower now in the past years i've we've done pretty good i mean it's just been a couple of guys here and there not necessarily 25 percent but that's a fairly easy standard and it's not like they're getting nervous or doing anything wrong it's a matter of the luck of the draw what is the nfl going to do to you for five days prior to the run day i mean people don't understand the combine is a six-day event they run on day five now they're running on prime time on day five and it is (laughs) not easy the first the first four days are not just up here sitting around they don't get a lot of sleep uh, in interviews till midnight their their whole eating schedule is thrown off and these medical exams are aggressive and they're brutal so even if you don't have injuries, just from the repetitiveness of them wrenching on the joints and the ligaments and tendons, and you're going to get sore, you're going to get inflamed. So a lot of times it's just the luck of the draw. If they kind of leave you alone during the medical exams, they allow you to peak up. If they don't, I don't care if you're an Olympic sprinter, it's going to affect your performance. So there's nothing to do with nerves That's or anything like that. Yeah. The only time I've ever seen somebody does a mock combine, then two weeks later the combine runs slower. It's almost 99% the same answer. They're exhausted. They were way too sore and inflamed to medical exams. They couldn't bring it back to normal by the time the run day happens. And some guys can run through that and some guys yeah. can't. So it's really just the luck of what the NFL medical exam is going to do to the body. Uh, my dad and my wife, they're in sales. Uh, my favorite chicken wing place. Uh, you go there because of reputation or you go there because of word of mouth. Do you just keep Frank Gore around like a trophy around your place because every time we hear about someone going to your place or the greatest workout we've ever seen or a young guy going over to Bomberito's performance centers and yep Frank Gore was there at 6 a.m. I got there at 7 like the legendary stories about Frank Gore we've known for years but it kind of all stems from your place in the performance facilities yeah I mean I gotta give credit to Frank Gore I mean I don't think I've ever done an interview in my life where I haven't been asked about Frank right, Gore so right. I definitely appreciate the the publicity but you know we gotta give it all back to Frank I mean this is Frank Gore I mean he's he's my facility the day after the season ended and he's there every day even my draft prep guys see it and watch it and i think it's it's good for them to see that because he might be in my facility six hours a day but he's not training six hours a day there's a lot more that goes into preparing your body for an nfl season than just training hard any idiot can run themselves into a wall (laughs) and overtrain but it's about training smart and understanding recovery and regeneration and joint prep and joint alignment and that stuff just takes time i mean you know it might be in my facility six hours a day it might get 45 to 90 minutes of training there's a meticulous process of nutrient timing, nutrition, even sleep patterns, and everything that goes into maximizing recovery so you can maximize peak performance and not overtrain and not do position drills too early, which is the most common theme you see, especially with young players that don't know any better. You know, little things like that make it back all the difference in the world. So we're definitely proud of Frank, but the one thing I think we did with Frank is just educate him on the whole process. He's highly intelligent. He lives, breathes, and dies this stuff. He listens to everything we say. And, you know, all we do is just allow him to, to play longer and stay on the field. But his talent is what makes him so popular, you know? Yeah. Hey, Pete, I always wonder for, for young people driving into school or, or work and their parents have them playing one sport year-round, which, you know, we do down here in South Florida. I always wonder, how much time does the body need off to rest, to get ready to go again before you tell guys, hey, listen, too much, or hey, you're not doing enough? 
enough. You need more. Have we got that figured out? I get asked this question all the time, you know, and I have all the scientists and strength coaches and performance specialists that just complain and complain and complain. They need to play multiple sports, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm to a point where, I mean, it would be better if they played multiple sports, but, you know, sometimes it's all up to the kid and what he enjoys doing played mainly one sport when I grew up because that's all I was good at. I mean, kids are going to gravitate towards yeah. what they are and are not good at. It's not going to be any fun to do something you're not good at, you know? So I think this not necessarily just are you playing multiple sports is if you do choose one sport and you have these travel leagues and things like that, you know, God bless you, especially if you're good. Just make sure that you understand how to take some time off for development. And we train kids as young as seven years old because you do have to have things like joint alignment, just like a pro athlete does it just becomes more important when you hit these growth spurts and there is great science on the reverse periodization model for example that we developed to train young kids intelligently and appropriately as they're hitting these growth spurts that's the most important key is just having some time off to develop um, which isn't that 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 bad if you really think about some of these schedules the kids do have some time off the second thing is when you are tr- uh, playing there are things you can play through or train through and things that you just can't there's things that are more important than others it's not like you don't want to go out there and win but there's nothing wrong with having a baseball player that goes all in for the season and plays fall ball to keep his skills up but there are certain things that you can train through you know I think as long as the kids and the parents understand that with training at those ages you have to train for your developmental growth cycle not your sport and if that's implemented then yeah it's not it doesn't make that much of a difference if they're a one sport wonder hey Pete real quickly interviews are you in the interview business or you stay out of that that's going to be a big part of the combine no we we focus on everything and we bring in specialists i mean the main thing that we do that i have a lot of success with is the position coaches i mean if you see just the way the combine is broken down now and it's even uh more prevalent this year than any other year i've seen is the the interviews with the position coaches are crucial they're a key component a lot of these position coaches are having more and more power i mean if you just think of like a, a receiver coach or even a defensive backs coach you know and what is required out of a defensive back in today's nfl if you play a team like the the Chiefs or the Ravens, you know, it's just, there's a lot more involved. So a lot of the interview prep is just our position coaches sitting down with the players and going through the offense or defense they ran in college. That's the number one thing that they're looking for. They don't expect anybody to know an NFL offense or defense. They just want to be positive that when they speak about their college offense, defense, presenting it as if they were a coach, not a player. That's the number one thing. And you have to go through the hard questions like, okay, I mean, the scouts have obviously seen the film. The coaches have seen the film. So they know when things went wrong, whether it was the player themselves, the team, or the scheme. And if something did go wrong in college, they're going to bring it up and you need to be able to professionally and intelligently answer those questions and most of them know it it's just a matter of getting asked those types of tough questions and you know how nervous are you in front of a group of people versus one-on-one on society i get right for everything there's a lot of people that know it but don't necessarily speak uh how as well as they know and draw on the board as well as they know so it's just a matter of going through those repetitions you know i think that's the most important thing for interview prep and that's literally 90 percent of our focus when we when we go into that that style of training for for draft prep hey, P, do you mind if uh, zach and i come over and, and hang out with you one day and watch the whole thing or no is, is that good or is it all yeah, private sure. I, mean, I mean obviously i get back from the combine on sunday and i mean there's still guys going for pro days there's some guys that that definitely are great players that weren't even invited to the combine they're still in full training 
and then we got all our NFL vets back. So you guys are more than welcome to come over anytime. I like it. Right in that Davy facility, right by. He help us. He's got. They do nutrition too, Zach. We can get. We can help out. I don't nutrition. think there's. A, I don't think he could help either one of us. It's not his bit. fault. It's huh. it's more. Well, our we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can help anybody. An in-house chef. I mean, we're we're detailers. <laughs> in-house chef sounds <laughs> nice, right? Facility and Davy guys more welcome. Come right. by. All right. I'm the in-house chef at my house. Not Thanks, working Pete. Right. Thank we you. We appreciate it, man. All right. No problem. Combine just seems to get more and more and more interesting. Love seeing the guys run the 40s, love trying to explain their hand measurements, all that cool stuff. It's just the uncertainty that makes it fun, and then the certainty that eventually will come. But one can dream right now. Speaking of dreaming, it's always a dream when Zoo Miami's Ron McGill joins the Dan Lebitard Show. Learn so much about animals, about life, maybe a little bit about sports. That's next on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day, and I am in full Mardi Gras form. That is right. Today is Mardi Gras in the town that I grew up in, New Orleans. So you know tonight I'm going to be doing a little bit of Mardi Gras celebrating for myself because then Lent starts, and I have to sacrifice basically everything in my life for 40-something days. So Mardi Gras now. Let's celebrate. Woo! Getting crazy with the Dan Lebitard Show. They're joined by Zoo Miami's Ron McGill. Birds the word, riding horses, and the future of zoos. Jack, you're on with Ron McGill of Zoo Miami. Go ahead, Jack. Hey, guys. Hope you all having a good day. Ron, I was wondering which you considered more impressive, the vocal mimicry of like a minor bird or parrot or the physical mimicry of an octopus? Wow, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with the octopus because... You know, I think we as people, we can do different types of sounds and imitate different sounds, but man, we can't change color that quickly. We can't just just change your total appearance in one split second. I got to go with the octopus. Uh, Ryan, Mike Ryan is at two minutes now, but he, he is, is really struggling. struggling. Yeah, he's really struggling. He's holding hands. Uh, really Ryan, you're on with Ron McGill of Zoo Miami. Hey, Ron, it's Ryan. We established that. So I'm wondering who would win in a fight between a fully grown male peacock and a male house cat full of testosterone. Full of testosterone. The male house cat's going to win. Male house cat is, understand, the peacock is a bird. It is not a predator. The house cat is a born predator. It's quick. Once it gets the, behind the head on the neck of that peacock, it's over, no matter how big the peacock is. So uh, that, that's pretty much a no-brainer. I'm going to go with a full-grown full house cat blowing up with testosterone. Mike Ryan goes down at 2 minutes, 37 seconds. I think he was just <laughs> trying to get past Greg Cody. What were you at, Greg? What was your final time? Him. I think I was right at 2.30. Yeah, I think he was just trying to get get past you he's on his back <laughs> writhing around and spasming but he did beat greg cody which is the goal of everybody here taylor you're on with ron mcgill of zoo miami go ahead hey ron uh i just wanted to know what's the history with cats i know like there's a lot of reasons why dogs were domesticated and kept as pets but i don't understand the purpose of cats also do horses mind being ridden Thanks. The deal with cats is, I think it comes from way back, back in the Egyptian times, cats were always considered a sign of royalty. So people wanted to, to have that connection to royalty uh, back in the old times. You know, only royalty had them. And then as they became domesticated over the years, it was a way for people, common folk, to connect with royalty. And it seemed to be that they bonded with cats because, you know, people who love cats understand that they are very credible animals. They tend to be a little bit more independent than dogs, um, but they still are fascinating. They still are beautiful. They still can be very... Uh, 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 you know, um, passionate, compassionate with people, very uh, uh, nice to 
to, to be around. So that's the th- I think that's the deal with cats. That over the years they became domesticated for that reason. That it was just something to connect with royalty. Then it realized people how great cats were. Now, as far as what was the other question? A horse being ridden. I don't know whether a horse likes being ridden. I can tell you that there are some horses that seem to enjoy being going out on a walk with their rider. Uh, I would say right away, I'd say, well, I don't, wouldn't want to have somebody riding on my back the whole time. But then a horse is built differently for that. So I, I know horses. I used to raise horses myself. They would come running to me to put the, you know, put, put the blanket on them and go riding. They loved it. They loved that interaction. So I don't know, though, what the real answer is to that. I can tell you it, it doesn't do them any harm, to the best of my knowledge. They do seem to enjoy going out on the ride. But whether, it, you know, it bothers them or not, I don't know. Ron, I was recently at a ranch, and they had horses that seemed to have kind of like burlap sacks covering their eyes during the day, and I was wondering what that was used for. Yeah, basically what happens is horses get a lot of insects that go into their eyes, flies, biting flies that go into their eyes, and their eyes can become ulcerated, especially the skin right around the eye. So that is a burlap sack. is kind of a cheap person's version of it, but usually they have like a net halter that goes over the eyes, and it keeps the insect from going into the eye, causing those ulcerations, which can become infected and they're real hard to, to treat on a horse. When I was a kid, of course, zoos had bars and, and cages, and, and they're so zoos are so different now. I wonder what is on the vanguard of... Uh, of zoos in this country, how, how might a zoo be totally different in 30 or 40 years than what we see today? I think you're going to see more of these very large open-air exhibits um, that are housing natural families of animals, and you're not going to see zoos as much showing the variety of animals, like, you know, polar bears and penguins combined with, you know, anacondas and harpy eagles. You're going to start seeing zoos concentrating on the things that they would do best in the climates that they're naturally found in. Uh, for instance, here at you know, Zoo Miami, we don't have cold-tempered animals animals, because they would not thrive in this type of climate. You're going to see more zoos doing that. Uh, And like I said, you're going to see less variety and more concentrating on the things that zoos do best with the species they do best with, because the objective is to get people to care about the animals, to be an insurance policy for uh, very uncertain uh, populations in the wild, not just to have a menagerie of animals to gawk at. This is uh, going very well. We're learning, as we always do every week. Uh, Let's speed it up with the callers, please, because we've got a lot of you who want to talk to Ron McGill. Bruce, you're on with Ron McGill. Go ahead. Hey, Ron, uh, I want to know how wading birds like herons and egrets can compensate for light refraction through air and water when they strike at prey items. Ah, that's a good question. But you should watch some of these herons, what they do. Watch them when they start. They get over the water, and then they open their wings. They create a shadow with their wings. They take away the glare and the reflection. They kind of make an umbrella with their wings, and then, boom, they'll stab it a lot of times that way. Otherwise, their eyes are set in such a way that they don't get the refracted light the way we see them. Remember, herons' eyes are not both facing forward. They're side to side. So they have a different perspective into the water. But very often, you'll see herons, uh, and ibises and other birds like that, just open their wings, and they create this umbrella, and that's how they get the fish. It's fantastic how they adapt. So intelligent. Pete, you're on with Ron McGill. Go ahead, Pete. Ron, hey, I wanted to have, this question has to do with uh, two different movies, Anaconda and Revenant. Um, I just wanted to know which one you'd rather be, John Voight going down with an anaconda or being grizzly bear clawed by with Leo. Okay, get out of here. Yeah. Thanks for making it yeah. I, I, I'm going I'm to have to go with the grizzly bear, because I think that's going to be faster. And Anaconda's going to wrap around you, and you suffocate, and it's just, I think if a good grizzly bear gets you behind the neck, hopefully he snaps the neck and you go quickly. The Anaconda, you're just being asphyxiated slowly. It's compressing your thing. You know, the blood vessels are bursting in your eyes. It's a horrible, horrible, slow, miserable death. I'm going with the grizzly bear. Peter, you're on with McGill. Go ahead, Peter. Ron, quick question. Why do crows conjugate? I noticed... Uh, 
on Valentine's Day especially, uh, living on Seattle, they conjugate in one particular area. Please, though, take the call off the air. Thanks. Sure. Uh, crows are very intelligent birds. As a matter of fact, many people argue they are the most intelligent of all the birds, and they communicate with each other. They have communication. If there's a food source, they see a food source, they communicate with each other and find that food source. They sometimes work cooperatively uh, to solve problems and getting food sources. So uh, crows congregate that way because they find that safety in numbers and that the numbers give them a greater strength in acquiring whatever food they're looking for. Uh, No video this week, Ron. We will talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. Take care. Have a good one, guys. You can hear Dan Levitard weekdays from 10 to 1 right here on 560 The Joe. And following the Dan Levitard show, you get a little first take, your take with Jason Fitz. And then in the afternoons, Hawk in Crowder. Nobody quite does it like them, and you're going to hear their special style next on the Best of the Joe Show. We are back with the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am a Dan Day on a Mardi Gras day. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. I've loved looking on social media and seeing all the people, not just from New Orleans that I know, living it up for Mardi Gras, but people from this area that actually went over the weekend. I'm telling you, Mardi Gras weekend is bonkers and mardi gras day also pretty bonkers but it ends at midnight they shut it all down they get ready for lent so you're on a limited time to party i've got a limited time to party with you so let's just get to that hawk and crowder sound channing he's molding minds wilder's wild excuse and fury he just got better we missed you yesterday even though you were around the radio station i was there but the funny thing was those guys listen to our show crazy right because they love media so they listen to I our show i thought you were about to say because they love me didn't you think he was saying that adrian because they love me they don't love they, they don't love you <laughs> no you it sounded like you were saying they love me no no and they and they really and they were like hey and to meet you and all that stuff bro it was cool yesterday to see like guys that you see people at a higher level of what they do and now they want to get into what you do yep. and I, I went through that so I, w- I was in the in the, the I was an athlete I played with the Dolphins everybody knows it and to see those guys that they're aspiring to do what I did years after my career it was really it was really amazing to see that they want to be us yeah, it was fun yesterday. And the other – it's funny because everybody wants to be athletes. Correct. And then athletes want to they, – they, for and we talked to – who was it? Terrell Hanks. Uh, um, Jake Rudock. Jake Rudock, Tabor Peppers. Yeah. And they want to be us someday. To to be the aspired was something they were saying. They were, and I, I, as, I was, as I was talking to them and I was explaining our show and I was explaining you and our dynamic and I was like, hey, we're different people, but that makes the show. They were like, no, 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 no we listen. Like, they <laughs> we were get like, it. We they were like, we, we understand how the show is good. And it was so amazing to see guys that are on the field right now. And I used to be those guys. Like um, Terrell Hanks, he's a linebacker for the Dolphins. Right. So that's why I kind of put him to the kid, side. You said. And he's from Miami, and I'm, you know, I went to UF. But it was very interesting to see those guys. And they were like, no, we know what you do. We understand what you do. We want to be you one day. And I was like, don't be me. Be better than me. And I felt like a dad a little bit. And it was cool uh, on the Dolphins' part. They've been doing this for a few years now. But it's cool that they do. You know, you got the NFL Combine going going on right now but they do the business combine yes. so you're already on an nfl team and if you want to further your knowledge of the business world we want to help you prepare for life after athletics and, and and like they were saying yesterday they could you know do deep dives into real estate finance broadcasts like they did yesterday that was neat number of those guys because the average nfl career is three and a half years right two of the guys 
one guy was at three, one guy was over three, and one guy was under three. They're at that uh, sweet spot. So, you know, I, I was going to say it's perfect you said that because between those three guys, one of those guys are going to – they're not going to have an NFL career soon. Right. And that was the weird part. And I even told him that in the room. I was like, hey, one of you were at four years, one of you was at two, one of you was at three. Between y'all three, your NFL career is coming to an end, and this is the next step in the second career. So that was the interesting part of that entire situation. Three and a half years, also the uh, normal life uh, existence of a radio host. Usually they get burned through in uh, two or three years. I think we're above the uh, average on what we're doing. You're at 30. I'm way too long. I am on borrowed time. I'm at 10. I'm at borrowed time. What does that mean about us? It's over for us? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I think we're just skating under the radar. Awful heat game last night. A truly awful heat game last night. You can't can't have a 20-plus point lead against one of the worst teams in the league and give it up. Like, you just can't do that. I don't care if Jimmy Butler's playing or not. You cannot do that. So that was awful. You weren't in yesterday except for that one segment that we brought you and the players in, but uh, we didn't get to talk with you about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Mm. Fury. Deontay Wilder has taken excuse-making to a new level. This is unbelievable <laughs> to me. So He was just tired. We he talked about tired. it at the end of the show yesterday with Dono. If you missed it, Deontay Wilder, who got his ass kicked by Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder has explained now to several media outlets his body was tired. They had a 40-pound costume that he was wearing and the mask and the walk he was saying to the ring. It's almost like Randy Shannon's walk to uh, the Duke field. But uh, the walk. And it's BS. The walk to the and ring. And his ex- explanation is BS And then as he well. said climbing up the stairs to get into the ring. That was, again. It's four steps, bro. I, listen, I'm just telling you. I was watching Stephen A. and Max Kellerman this morning. Did you watch them? I yes. really wanted to hear what they had to say about this because they're both boxing fans. Max to another level. Stephen A. was so right. He was like, man, even if this is the truth, don't say it. What are you doing? <laughs> Take your loss and uh, accept yes. your loss and don't talk about the costume that you didn't have to wear. And Stephen A. was going, because he said he wore that costume that was for Black Pride yes. and for Black History Month. Stephen A. Smith goes, hey, you want to celebrate celebrate Black Pride? Whoop his ass. Whoop his ass in the <laughs> ring. Don't wear <laughs> a stupid-ass costume. I'm with you 100%. Rashad Butler. I was leading up to the fight. I was in Minnesota. We were skiing and all, and my wife's cousin asked me about the fight, and I said, we'll go out. When, I, when he came and picked me, up, I saw Rashad Butler text. Yes, um, he um, uh, Wilder embraces the plight of a black man, and it's true. And we're going through it now, and you know the the the, the assumption of guilt and all that stuff. And he embraces that, so it's like, yes, we love it. And I'm with Rashad. Like I love that he understands and wants to to black African American men. The best thing would be to knock the dude out, right? Like the the helmet, the shoulder pads, all that. Just knock the dude out. And I love what everybody was saying. Mike Tyson used to wear black shoes, black shorts. And a towel not wrapped even, around his right, neck. Not even a robe. And he had no music. He walked in and he knocked dudes to sleep. And Mike is my hero. I would say Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson are my two guys. And Evander, Evander stole my heart because he's from Atlanta and all that stuff. But, yes, Deontay Wilder, I don't give a damn what you carry to the ring because as a football player, you know football pads are about 40 pounds. Right. I mean, 
mean, there's plenty of people that ha- like, but the, the differentiating factor is you didn't have to wear that. You could have worn whatever you want. And he said, "Oh, the batteries were heavy." Well, don't get nothing that lights up. Right. I mean, if you, you need know, a, if you need electricity to make your uniform look nice, don't wear that if uniform. You have, if you have one percent doubt in your mind when you put that thing on that this might be too heavy, you're fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. And everybody's watching. Don't wear it. That's simple. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if I got a chance to talk to Deontay Wilder as a man to man, I would tell him, bro, you really you messed up Saturday night. I mean, uh, just took excuse making to a new level. At least Tyson Fury, he had people walk him into the ring. He didn't even have to use his legs. <laughs> Deontay Wilder, Ty- he's he's lugging oh. around forty pounds of gear. Tyson Fury's get carried into the ring by that thing. And I, if if that had something to do with it, if the if the metal little helmet has something to do, whatever whatever had something to do with it, Tyson Fury called that fight. Mm-hmm. Did you see him call the fight? And he said it's going to be a different fight. Yep. I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm going to go after him. And Deontay had nothing to say about it. He outboxed him. There's no question. Now, we had, I mentioned this yesterday, big money on Deontay Wilder. My thought was the way that he caught him at the end of the last fight, he's going to catch him at some point. And Tyson Fury's not going to get up this time. Yes. So we we really upped our stakes on Deontay Wilder. He never never allowed (laughs) him to get that punch off. Now, his legs were wobbly since round two. I thought it was since the eardrum. the big-ass damn helmet that right. he wore. Now we found that out. Yes. It's like the Pacquiao the- fight when you found out that uh, his arms didn't work. <laughs> it was like, well, what? Don't make me better than the guy that shows don't work. Straight left, straight left, overhand right. That's what Deontay lived off of. That's why Deontay is where he is. Couldn't do it. Je- left jab, left jab, overhand right, and Fury was throwing his stuff at him. Yep. And that's what amazed Never me. Never got the separation to do it. Tyson Fury told you, I'm going to walk at him. He walked at him the entire fight. Never stopped leaning on him like he he outboxed him. And Fury, and now obviously all y'all have Twitter. Y'all see an internet and all that crap. Fury gained weight but got quicker. Deontay Wilder is exactly what he was the fight before. If you look at the weight, if you look at the all the numbers, he was the exact person he was in the fight that they tied. Fury changed his body. Fury put more weight on but also got got more athletic, got quicker, got stronger. And Deontay was saying, I should have whooped him last time. I'm going to whoop him this time. Fury got better. Yep. And that's what you have to do, progress. I don't care oh, – Oh, um, oh, it, it was a, it was a, uh, 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 was it a mixed decision or whatever? A draw. Deontay said, "We got a draw. Next time, I'm gonna whoop him the same way." Fury got better in that fight. Right. He said, "I learned something." He said, "I learned yes. something in that fight, and I'm gonna make it better." And, and he did. And he said, "It was it a Gypsy King." Gypsy King. He talked about, and I laughed at him saying that. But once the fight started, I said, "He told me what was about to happen. Why didn't I listen?" He got better. Deontay and him from there, from fight one to fight two. Tyson Fury learned from it. Deontay said he. Got got lucky last fight. And right. that's the and worst gonna, decision. And I'm going to connect with another punch, and he's not going to get up this time. The worst decision a boxer could say is, I'm going to get a – he didn't say lucky, but I'm taking it as lucky. I'm going to get a lucky punt. What if you don't get a lucky punt? And that was and the thing. Devante, I mean, Deontay did not. And in that second round when he caught him and put his little leg in the air, yeah, his legs were gone. Somebody uh, texted in Wilder's trainer didn't say one word. I noticed that as well. Again, we had big money on Deontay Wilder. Anything he did say to him, he kept talking into his bad ear as well. But What's the man in his room? What's going on there? The man can't hear. Talk to him in the other ear.
Anyway, Turn your head around, boy. We got that to talk about. Joe Burrow uh, pretty much said today he will play for whichever team drafts him. So the notion that he was going to pull a Eli Manning or a John Elway and force uh, force the Bengals' hand, that's not going to happen. Go get that bread. Go get that bread. Young and man. he said something that was, I believe, true. Every quarterback's dream is to be the number one overall pick. And I totally understand that. Yes. So that, uh, And we'll check in. Uh, Adam Beasley's up in Indianapolis for the NFL combine we will check in with him up there we got a lot planned for you today we'll do 15 minutes of heat like i said it was a brutal loss last night in cleveland that's pretty much a wrap hawk and crowder weekdays three to six here on 560 the joe remember you can download the podcast for their show this show or any of the shows you hear on 560 the joe at our website wqam.com radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts and anyway you get the podcast for this or any of the other shows absolutely free at least monetarily emotionally and physically i might wear you out a little bit but you know that kind of happens got any questions for me at dan day radio i'm always checking that twitter always trying to respond and have fun with you if you go on to buy me some free beers definitely dm me let me know i will stop by and i will down some beers with you after all today is mardi gras day so celebrate get ready for ash wednesday if you do so celebrate i don't know if that's a celebration or just observe if you don't well then today is tuesday to you and tomorrow is wednesday good luck i am dan day be back tomorrow night six o'clock with the best of the joe show later slug we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch minimum of four lines for 25 dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account five dollars more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. 35 dollars per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com 